Hello! Hi! And welcome to another episode of From, From the Lower, the lower level. level. I'm your host, Moshi. No, I'm Patricio. I don't have a tagline. You don't have a tagline? I, I like literally paused. <laughs> I was waiting for your tagline. <laughs> Uh, Moshi, you know, I do have a question, though, for you. Oh, okay. It is almost Halloween, Mm -hmm. and I was wondering which Real Housewife you are dressing up as this year. Well, it was a toss-up between, because it's like any Real Housewife. It doesn't have to be a current Real Housewife, right? Yeah, it could be anyone. So, Gina Liano, and I was going to get one of those, like, a big wig and, like, do the makeup. But I realized, like, I cannot wear those shoes and I cannot do oh, that oh. dress. So, I don't know. Is there any housewives that wear, like, flats? <laughs> <laughs> That's my question to you. Or, you know what, what What I could do? I could probably go as Marge, as Margaret, and I'd get, like, a blonde wig with, like, the pigtails and I'd get, like, a fake set of teeth put in so my mouth is really wide. Oh my goodness. Um, who are you dressing up as? Um, I was thinking about it. I'm gonna dress up as like mine is like mine is like a costume of a costume. I'm gonna dress up as Luann, Luann. going to that I Halloween party. As which one? Who 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 is she going as? As Diana Ross? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Is this so you can wear blackface? And ladies and gentlemen and everybody else in between, this is where the podcast <laughs> ends. <laughs> because you don't want to answer that question. Just, just own it. Own it, Patrizio. <laughs> well, you know what? Let's just say there has been a very suspicious amount of bronzer used on a lot of housewives this season. Lisa Barlow. This, this year. Um, actually, Moshi, I do want to get into that because oh, let's God. talk the word on the street. Oh no, I'm scared. All right, go. Um, I'm going to start off uh, with the the book. Not all diamonds and rosé had its launch party like yesterday, the day before. Um, obviously, there's this book that's come out about like the behind the scenes of the housewives' journey and blah blah blah. Well. Um, it's- I think of all the Housewives-related books that have come out, this one is by Nine Davies, who's, like, a prolific writer. But he, but this is, like, the first of the books that's been Bravo-sanctioned. Yes, it's, like, by Andy Cohen books. Yes. Um, well, they had their launch party, and I just want to say, like, the New Jersey women, <laughs> they were tanned for the gods. I would. Ex- I. I don't know about you, but that's the only way I like my Jersey women. They need to look like a roast turkey. I mean, Jackie was like one color in the face and a different color on the legs. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's been a lot of tea like coming out of this book to the point where I don't even think I need to read the book at this point. Like, the juiciest bits have been put out onto Instagrams. But do we know if those are the juiciest bits? Well, I'm sure. I'm sure the super fans have done the hard the research work before us. Yes, I'm still going to get it though because I'm very intrigued. I think it'll be an interesting read. So one of the, if you don't follow Nine Davies on Twitter, one of the things that makes him kind of a unique 
housewife historian is that he refuses to throw shade. So he, he like doesn't swear about like, he doesn't swear and he, he's like really positive. So he tries to never say anything bad about housewives or shady. Like that's really his MO, um, which, and like, I mean, we're pretty shady. Everybody else likes to throw a little bit of shade and do shady things, but he really isn't. And that's why I'm kind, I'm, I'm really quite interested to read a, a book from his perspective. Um, and it's also one of the reasons that a lot of housewives are willing to tell him basically anything because he really never wants to throw a housewife under the bus or show them in a bad light. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I, I know what, I know what you're getting under your Christmas tree this year. Well, you also know what you're getting under your Christmas tree this year. I only do audiobooks, so <laughs> it's all good. Well, you'll be getting a link. I'll get, yes, I'll have a link. Um, Real Housewives of Potomac, we finally got the reunion looks. We're doing this, like, pink, pink theme. Pink ladies. Um... I don't know. What were your hits and your misses, Moshi? Miss Karen Huger is the biggest hit. I mean, honey, she's never looked better. Never looked better. Um, I'm, I was underwhelmed by Giselle and Robin's outfit. Like, I kind of knew where Robin was going, but it just didn't give me the va-va-voom that I needed. I sort of feel like Ashley did Robin's outfit a little bit better than Robin. Um, But to be fair, I think they, like overall, they knew the assignment. Just some people knew how to elevate the assignment and some people knew how to keep the assignment basic. Yeah, I think Wendy looked amazing. I mean, legs for days, legs. Um, but yeah, Giselle is just, it's unfortunate, really. Like, apparently it's a jumpsuit. It's not even a dress. Yeah, no, I can tell that it's a jumpsuit. But it's the little embellishments for me. It's not just that. It's like she has, we know that she has like a wonderful figure. Like, we see her in jeans and we see her in other clothes. It's wide, and she's obviously a stunning woman to look like, look at, but she does not dress to suit her body. She does not, she, she looks frumpy, is my opinion, in the outfits. I actually have no issues with jumpsuits. I think, like, if she had gotten that jumpsuit maybe two sizes smaller or gotten it fitted, you know, gotten it altered a little bit more to suit her body and have look less frumpy, she could have given us 70s disco glam. Like, she could have done that. But if you're going to do that, you know, I kind of want to see your platform shoes underneath that. You know what I mean? Like, I want the embellishments and... It's just underwhelming. That's all. You will never get that from Giselle. Uh, maybe I'm. I'm. But the thing is, like, I feel like I've seen her do like a nice gown before. But oh well. Um, in some local news, uh, Jackie had her twins. Oh, very happy for her. Do we know names? No, I don't think they've. Um, I don't think they've released. Patrizio and Machidi. <laughs> oh my gosh, funny If you have twins, please name them after us. <laughs> uh, especially if they're biracial. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 
I mean, this is like double whammy here, but we have the Real Housewives of Miami and the Real Housewives of OC are both apparently slated for a December release. Hopefully we'll get some taglines, some trailers, some looks, something very soon. Interesting. I feel like they're both coming out during a non-ratings sort of part of the year with the December debut. I mean, how does streaming even work? Like, do we even care about the ratings for Miami? Because it'll be straight to Peacock. True-ish, but, yeah, I mean, I just think given the hit that OC has taken, I know they've gone out of their way to try and, you know, they're constantly feeding us all these photos. We we saw the photos from them filming the last episode recently and all that shit. They're really trying to, to... to knock it out of the park, but I feel like debuting it in December, they don't have a lot of faith in it. So interesting. Well, I can think about is uh, like when Emily posted on Instagram that it was going to be the best reunion that's like ever existed. And it was rubbish. Yeah. So, and I feel like it's the same energy going into this season. Like it's going <laughs> to be the best season ever. Yeah. Okay. We'll be rubbish. the judges of that. Well, Moshi, let's get into this week's episodes. We're going to be talking Real Housewives of Melbourne, Potomac, and Salt Lake City. Ooh. Honey, that's a lot of women. <laughs> that is a lot of women. It's a lot of relationships to maneuver and navigate and talk about. Um, but let's get into season. Oh, Ooh. I do have one question for you Real Housewives of Cheshire, it's out. Have you started it? Well, um, Moshi, our listeners may not know this, but I have been trying to get through Cheshire from season one. Oh I'm currently God. like on like episode three of season 13. So I am not far away, but I have not made it to the new season yet. Okay. Let me know when you do. Listeners, if you're watching it, let me know. Let me know what you think so far on the Instagram. Well, let's get to our, well, my favourite ladies. I don't know. Are they your favourite ladies, the ones of Melbourne? Of course they are. They're my neighbours. They're my peeps. Well, we've got episode two of season five. Um, And, Moshi, I'm going to hit you real quick in this new segment of the pod that I'm calling I'll Give You My Opinion. (laughs) (laughs) It is. (laughs) Okay, Gina Liana. (laughs) Correct. Iconic. (laughs) Um, I'm going to give you some, like, fast round topics. I just want your, like, quick hot take on uh, oh, before we get into the meat of this episode. Okay, okay. okay go. Um, so we start off this episode with the aftermath of Textgate. Uh, Kyla and Janet kind of make up. So do you think that it's legit and are they going to become besties? No. <laughs> that was my hot take. <laughs> what do you think? What, what do you think? It, I mean, Janet really. I don't. I don't know what Janet's up to. Yeah, Janet's got an agenda. I like it, but I don't know what it is. And Kyla is suspicious as well, and she should be. <laughs> I okay. So here is a hot take. I think we're going to enjoy Kyla. I think Kyla is going to give us a different thing than than what we haven't had for a while she might not be very warm she's definitely a bit cold 
a bit Erica Jane vibes in that sense. I think you've mentioned it before in that, like, we're not getting much depth. She takes herself a little bit too seriously. But I think having somebody who takes themselves so seriously and then having, like, a Janet and Gamble and Jackie, like, people who, like, literally don't take themselves seriously at all, it's perfect. I love that clash. Mm -hmm. That's why they won't end up besties. They're going to end up frenemies. Yeah, Kyler is the villain of the season. Um, I actually think Cherry's the villain of the season, so there's that hot take. Oh, well, my next one is Cherry and Simone go to cryotherapy. Um, should we ice these ladies out because we don't really care about them? Uh-huh. <laughs> wow, it is the directness that I'm really enjoying for yeah. you tonight. <laughs> I actually don't mind Simone. I think she's slow. We're going to see Simone slowly coming out of her shell. But I said it last week, watch out for Cherry. Trust me, she cannot be trusted. She talks a lot, talks too much shit. Well, we're going to get into that later on. Um, Janet is filming some ads for her tea brand. Do you want to see drag queens or housewives feature? I think the real question is, will I be able to tell the difference? <laughs> what I want is to see the how the drag queens dressed up as the housewives. Like that idea was the one that was speaking to me. I know. I just want to know who the local talent is to fill these shoes. We've got lots of drag queens in Melbourne. I know, but like who will be Janet? You know what I mean? <laughs> I think Janet will be Janet. Um and Gamble. Gamble, um, we got to see a little bit more from her in this episode. Um, but is it comedic relief or something a little bit deeper? I mean, we went from her discussing how all women have pain to Barry's vaginas. So what what is Gamble's place in this group? I think we're seeing a conflict-free Gamble. We're seeing Gamble who is who has mellowed out who is much more confident in who she is in Melbourne society and who she is as a housewife. Like she knows who she has to be. And so I think for the first time she's just being herself. She doesn't feel like she has to defend who she is with, with the old guard. I think Janet even mentions it, that her and Gamble were enemies and now they're besties. Like, because Gamble is lighter, she's happier. So I think what we're, the reason why we're getting, these two like we're getting the really deep and the comic relief I mean you know behind every joke is you know a deep sort of pain I always say so I think what we're just getting is nuance well, and, and, what, and real and what did you think of her late father's artwork that is meant to be the the female form well, it's not the female form. It's just a badge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, I I loved it. I mean, I'm no expert in vaginas, so I I couldn't tell you. Okay, <laughs> I'm not a vagina just because I have one. Also, does not does well, not. Well, you know, I feel like you might be more qualified than I am, at least. No, I mean they all are different. Just go on the internet; it's fine. <laughs> um, and Gamble's stepson, Luke, is back. We spoke about Wolf Pup's glow up last week, but little Lukey is big Lukey now. He is like a man. He is tall. He has like, I mean, 
look, I know we shouldn't discuss people's bodies changing and things like that, but I think really for me, like, Luke's face has changed. He's gone from having, like, a baby face to having, like, a man face. And I think more than anything, it was so nice just to see that he's kind of landed on his feet. I think I was kind of worried about him in the earlier episodes that he was, like, a bit too vulnerable and a bit too in his shell. But what I saw was, like, this confident man who knows things. And I was like, good for you, Luke. And I love his dynamic with Gamble. Yeah, like, Gamble needed a gay stepson. Oh, 100%. And and I feel like... He got the best kind of stepmother just for him. Um, well, let's get into some of the meaty parts of this episode. Okay. We'll start out with Jackie and her big baby announcements. Moshi, did you know that she was going to say she's pregnant? I mean, look, it's the worst kept secret in town. But at the same time, we're two episodes in And there's a deeper story here that Jackie is really trying to share, right? It's this story that so many women will find relatable. And we often talk about, you know, what we expect from our housewives. We kind of expect them to not live normal lives. Do you know what I mean? Like to not be like us. But it is important that I guess we see the perspectives of their lives where it is exactly like us. You know, so many women or, or, or people with wombs and families out there are really struggling to grow their families. And I think it, it, it wouldn't have been as special, the announcement, if she hadn't shared. I mean, it's still special, but, you know, I think as interesting or as good for television, if she hadn't shared all the trauma that they'd kind of gone through to get to where they are. Especially, you know, how, how old did you say she was? Like, she's over 40. Like, yeah, she's 41. Yeah, that, there's a lot of risks there. As somebody who will possibly be 60 when they have their first child, I really appreciated the story. Got time because Jackie's Baba was 48, Moshi. <laughs> Baba Eva. Oh my God. I, Baba Eva lives red free in my mind. Okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> also, <laughs> the um, the, I think the thing for me was that, like, obviously, I understand that obviously Jackie and her husband Ben, Ben, ben? yes, Ben, he, like, they've obviously had the conversation that he probably went to the appointment with her, like. You know, they they know that they're pregnant. I mean, and they that all happened three months ago as well, right? Of like, course. But, like, the man needs acting lessons or something. Or, like, just don't, <laughs> don't do it. I don't know. They need to find a different way not to put these people in this, like, situation where we're all, like, wow, this is, like, not only, like, do you know, but this is, like, really bad acting. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I love a reenactment. I love a historical reenactment, okay, Patricio. Can I just say, Ben is not the typical house husband. I'm sure he really loves, like, the fact that he is happy to be on Housewives in and of itself is hilarious. Um, And I think, I think, you know, he's not taking everything so seriously, Patricio. It's actually kind of refreshing because I feel like that is very Australian. 
Well, he did give some good advice in this episode. Oh, 100%. Which is you never break up with a Croatian. Mate, anybody from, like, that part of Europe, (laughs) don't do it. Let them break up with you. (laughs) If they ghost you, just let them. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's like they love hard, but something harder. Look, I don't want to generalise a whole group of people, but from experience, (laughs) don't break up with them. (laughs) But wouldn't that have been good if Jackie was breaking up with Ben in that moment? No. <laughs> that would have been the plot twist no one saw coming. Patrizia, wow. Don't don't even speak that into existence. I love Jackie and Ben. Even even though I know you don't. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well well, let's talk about someone who I am intrigued by. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I feel like intrigued is like the kind way of saying. <laughs> She, yeah, speaking of suspicious, <laughs> Angelie. <laughs> we love that we know how to pronounce her name at last. Well, I, I mean, look, I don't want to like draw the comparison because, what? but I just feel like she's gonna get the petty floor edit. Like, she is gonna, it's you know what the difference is between her and petty floor is I, I think that Angel, like, she, Number one, she's not going up against Gina Liano. Number two, she can hold her. She can hold her own. Well, so Angela oh, is. I was gonna yes. say number three, she's bisexual. So. <laughs> well, yes. So I mean, we get the intro scene finally from Angela because Kyla goes over to her apartment and, like, let's be real, they're not like, friends. <laughs> they are not friends. That is not her apartment. Like, Definitely not. She's not from here. Like, I don't know where they pulled her from. But like, I, So questions that I had for you is like, so is she doing a Meredith and she's either FIFO or she's in the Airbnb? Yay or nay? Uh, she, that, so, I mean, I know the tower that she lives in. Yeah. Uh, it's fairly new. And um, I think there was even a cut scene where she was, like, unpacking a box. But, like, I don't know if you clock this because the question I had while watching it was, like, when they drink champagne, her and Kyla, obviously Kyla made a big bloody deal at Janet's house about the bloody champagne flutes. Yeah. But the champagne flutes that Angelie has have the name of the building on the flute. Well, that's because it's got – it's, like, meant to be, like, a hotel – yeah, it's a, thing. it's a rental. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's a rental. But it's the same thing as, like, you know, when um, What's-Her-Face, oh, my God, Tinsley was living at the hotel. So it's that same sort of thing. But I was like, that's not her house. That's her house for the show. Yeah, it's a service department. Like, and, I mean, good for her. It's a beautiful view. It's a beautiful building. I'm sure it's very expensive to be. Oh, yeah. But, like, honey. The accent. Talk to me about Dorit 2.0 here, okay? <laughs> well, no. I mean, she's she went to boarding school in the UK. That's where she got that accent. She has enforced that accent. She's not, like, particularly young 
that accent could have dropped off a long time ago. What it is, it's a status thing. She's gone out of her way to maintain that accent because we have all been socialized that when we hear that accent, that that we have this like thing that that person is somehow a little bit more superior. It's all part of the colonization reconstruction of our brains. It's true. We hear the British Empire coming. Um, You know, it's, I mean, it's, there's a, there's, you could do a really deep kind of sociology on that as well, because she is also Anglo-Indian, which is its own whole um, racial construct in terms of how they identify in caste systems and all of these sort of things um, and, and the way that their culture is designed and where like sort of British supremacy is held at a higher regard. So, you know, holding on to that accent is a power move. I mean, but, like, she's not going to have an Australian accent. Like, I feel like she doesn't even identify. Like, she was kind of, like, really, like, eh, I had an Australian passport, so I figured I'd give that a shot. Like, Yeah, but but I'm, but I'm just sort of saying, like, even come, like, she's spent most of her time the last few years in Hong Kong. It's the same thing. There's so many ex- expats there. There's so many people who were, went to British boarding schools, et cetera, et cetera, also have British accents. Like, I totally get it, but it's it's, like, she, she, although she, just even saying I have an Australian passport, it's like she doesn't identify as Australian at all. Trust me. Well, she identifies as bisexual. Were you surprised? <laughs> were you surprised by this this revelation? I mean, no. I know nothing about Angeli, so I like I was not expecting her to. Did she not give you up. big? She codes queer to me. Well, I, I mean, look, I don't, I don't know. She creates um, queer. I mean, I think everybody is queer, so I'm the wrong person. It's a spectrum. It's a spectrum. And she creates queer to me. Well, I mean, look, she's doubled her options for double the fun. Mate, quadruple your options if you can. <laughs> I mean, are we even doing bisexual anymore? Isn't it pansexual now? No, I mean, so can I just tell you something that is actually a whole different podcast and you can identify however you want to identify but they're they're not necessarily the same thing but you can identify with them and be exclusively into the same things like I said it's a whole different podcast I'll send you the Instagram education you provide I will send you the Instagram you know Gen Z infographic thank you Three slides or less. Thank you. Well, it's six. You'll be all right. Um. Well, but like this is obviously going to be like a, a thing as well that she's going to be talking about because you know she's discussing well, that's her storyline. Yeah, being outed um, before she was ready by her previous partner who was evil. I mean, we all have an evil previous partner. Um. Wow, the way that Angeli is just so relatable. Uh, <laughs> Like I said, code's queer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, okay, let's get into the main event of this episode because this is really where Angelie gets to meet the other women and it's at the Champagne Dames Masterclass. At the Emerald Peacock. Were you expecting that that's where it would be? I feel like I'm missing something to this story. What is the Emerald Peacock? Well, the bar where they where they have it at, isn't it the Emerald Peacock? 
Yeah, but does that mean something? You're saying it like it's like a. It's I like... always forget that although you are like a young millennial, you don't do millennial out things in Melbourne. Okay, Melburnians who know the Mel- Elm- Emerald Peacock probably will be a bit surprised that that is the location that was chosen. It's like definitely a gorgeous bar um, in Melbourne. I was actually there the last time we were out of lockdown. Um, it's got like this kind of dark vibe. It's got like lots of cozy corners, but it's not really where the ladies of South Yarra would be going for an outing. So I was very like bit shocked that that was the place that they chose. I thought maybe they would have chosen something on like, Collins Street in a laneway. That's all I'm saying. Well, maybe she's an investor in this space. Maybe. It's a very popular bar, but it, it shocked me. Um, and do you think that the ladies have really stepped up their fashion for this? Because Kyla, that's her demand of the women. I, I, I'm sure that the 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 clothes that the women wear are all expensive. I don't know if these are the women that I go to for fashion advice. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't really like any of the clothes that any of them wear. Well, how did you feel about Simone's hair? Loved it. The shorter hair, fucking fabulous. But then it also made me think, her extensions are fucking amazing. The blending, the way they're done. The girl's got a good hairdresser. Oh, all I could think was, is that Janet Roach? No! They I mean, are rocking the same haircut. Every blonde has that haircut. Sorry. Um, and obviously, I mean, Jackie's boobs. I mean, she's like three Well, she's pregnant. so pregnant. <laughs> like... <laughs> Are you motorboating them titties, though? No, but you are. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, 100% you are. <laughs> um, well, the girls meet Anjali. She's fashionably late. Can I just say, she, this is how I know she has a, she's, like, so out of the loop, is that she, she name drops Kevin Spacey twice. Kevin Spacey is persona non grata. He is cancelled. Like, he is not somebody you want to be bragging about knowing. And that's, to me, where I'm just like, she's been out of work for a while. But I feel like she was also kind of like, Kevin Spacey, that was a mess. No. She was, like, fully including him in the same sentence as the Dalai Lama. Well, I mean, she's a name dropper. But was she name dropping or was she asked who she's interviewed. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's it's, a difference. So I think that the producers want her to name drop. So I think that, like, that's something she's she's been forced to do. Like, she needs to do it for the show. Um, but And it's done for a couple of reasons. To get a reaction out of somebody like Gamble. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> and to get a reaction out of the public so that we can, like, hate her. Like, it's brilliant. Um. I mean, Janet jumps out and says that she wants to marry the Dalai Lama. (laughs) Oh, the Dalai Lama. I want to marry him. Did you like my Janet impersonation? It was like having her on the podcast as a special guest. (laughs) Oh, I love Janet Roach so fucking much. But you know what? In my mind, 
Janet marrying the Dalai Lama makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. <laughs> like, it doesn't not make sense. It doesn't not make sense. I'm with you. But I just really loved, I'm sorry, but Gamble for me was the best because she just was like, when she said, like, about Angela, when she said, if she'd fucked them, it would have been more interesting. I was like, that's that's Australia. That is our comedy right there. Like, I want... I want to see Gamble doing a tight five. I want a stand up set. She's fucking hilarious. And she's also not wrong. No, of course not. <laughs> like, tell me that you fucked Kanye and Jay Z. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I did love is that she inferred that they both hit on her. Well,. I'm sure that probably they did. That's her truth, Patrizio. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, um, Jackie was getting some psychic vibes and she outs Angeli to the other women as bisexual. But it's not just that she outs her. She goes, sorry, I'm just psychic. <laughs> <laughs> did you like that impersonation? <laughs> I mean, that was a lot better than your Janet Roach. <laughs> oh. Janet was great. Sorry, you can't help it. Um, but sorry, I'm just psychic. If that is not on merch, Jackie, what are you doing with your life? And it's honestly something that I'm just gonna start saying. Like, if I guess something, like, sorry, I'm just psychic. <laughs> like, it's so Catherine Kim. It was so dumb. Oh my god. Jackie at this event really made me think, like, you do not belong with these women. No! She doesn't, but at the same time, it's why I like her on the show. It's just the way as well that she gets, like, so excited over, like, the accents of the other women as well. Like... <laughs> she lives in her own world. She's a space cadet. It's brilliant. Um, well, we finally get to watch Kyla in action I mean, this is like we all went to the masterclass now. I don't have to pay for it because I went to it. Yeah, 100%. Got the saber. Can we just talk? Gamble, like, first of all, the fact that she brought a beer. (laughs) Well, I understand why she does it. She, I think, so this is the other side of Gamble is that we're knowing, we're seeing a Gamble who has boundaries and knows her limits. And she says she cannot drink champagne because I guess it brings out the monster. She says well, like she gets too drunk. Yeah, yeah she, she gets too drunk and it obviously brings out a side of herself that is just not right. It's probably the gamble that we were used to seeing. So, I mean, I kind of have to respect that. And, like, I wanted to see her open that beer with the with the Yeah, me too. But it's- fucking Kyla, no sense of humour. She is just so uptight. Like, she wanted to be in control. And that was, like, the other thing. I'm like, you are, like, giving these women free champagne. Like, what do you expect expect. is going to happen? Like, and, like, I don't even understand. Like, surely all of her masterclasses end up like shit. I mean, I once went to a gin tasting. And, like, when you're, like, three gins in, all of a sudden all you want to do is buy the bottles and get, effed up (laughs) oh no remind me never to do three shots of gin with you 
So, like, I, I don't know why Kyle is surprised. Um, but, I mean, I did really like how she opened the champagne bottle. I learned something in this episode. Have you ever opened a champagne bottle no. like that? I feel like I've seen it before, but I didn't know to do it. So, I was very impressed. We've got a bottle of champagne in the house. The next time I have it, we open it, I'm going to be using that method. And I do remember somebody saying, you twist the bottle, not the cork. And that's brilliant. And you leave the little metal thing on. Fabulous. Um, And the way that you know you've done it right, Moshi, is because she sighs like a lady and not screams like a whore. What's wrong with screaming like a whore? Well... A lady doesn't scream. Lies. Well, then she's a whore. <laughs> What's wrong with being a whore? All I'm saying is this is not a sex-positive wine masterclass, okay? It's it's sex. It's shame, shaming people. That's it. We're cancelling Kyla. And the Bye, Kyla. Game. Wow. What's next from her? Um, I mean, Simone... She got like pretty quite fucked she was up. So fucked up. It was brilliant. I mean, these women, I feel like Moshi, you either like spent lockdown not drinking. And so when you came out of lockdown, where these women, they, these women are in a point in Melbourne life over the last like two years during the pandemic where they are like free from most restrictions. Yeah. So you've either spent the lockdown really like not drinking. And then the minute you have one drink, like, you've lost all of, like, your tolerance for alcohol. You're done. Or you were drinking all the way through the pandemic and nothing can stop you. I'm unstoppable. Let's <laughs> just put it that way. <laughs> Simone is not. Simone is definitely not. We also know that she's been working for all this time and we find out that she's not working at the moment while they're filming and doing all this stuff. So I think also her mind and her spirit and her soul, she's, like, ready to have fun. Well, you know who else wants to have fun and play a game? Fucking your, hell. Your evil menace, She's Terry. a menace. I'm telling you, she wants you to think she's all kumbaya, namaste. But behind that, evil. Um, so they play a game of never have I ever... Um, or as Simone would like to say, I have never. I have never. Yeah. <laughs> Just never got it. But she was also very drunk. It was very funny. Um, and I mean, look, it's all fun games until Cherry has to ask the question, has anyone had any bad thoughts about the other women? Like, what even kind of question is that? It wasn't even like a nice, like, the other ones are fun. Like, who's had a threesome? Who's like slept? The, I'm telling you right now home? that the producers are feeding them this shit. And hats off to the producers. Well done. Round of applause. Cherry's, like, not going to come back next season if this is the edit that she's gotten. But I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad at it. Um. Yeah, look. And that just causes this, like, rift between Angelie and Gamble, right? <laughs> I'm just thinking of it. And it's very funny to me. The, the feud? The, the name calling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, there was like a lot going on with this feud. And you know what? This is where I was like, is Angelie the housewife that I was not prepared for her to be? Because she was the straight shooter. Oh, yeah, like, 100%. That's what I mean. That's why I'm like, 
I don't think she's like Petty Fleur because I think she can actually handle these women. Because she was willing to bring up things that had been happening, like, off camera, mm-hmm. like, months earlier. Um, and that was and- her, That's her role, though. That is why it's so obvious that that is why the producers wanted her. Because she has no shame. Like, she's willing to go there. She's also going to give us this bi storyline thing, you know, whatever. Um She's she's been on she's been brought on to disrupt. She's a disruptor. Well, she says that Gamble had called Kyla a smelly air. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to me. I don't know why. I can't believe I've never heard it before. But I think it's because Kyla is so wound up. That's what makes it funnier. I mean, I thought that's what they were called. I thought they were the smelly air. Sommelier, Sommelier, as opposed to smellier. <sighs> I mean, Sommelier. It, it was hilarious. It and was brilliant. And I, I hope she did say it. And to be honest, it sounds 100% like something Gamble would say. Gamble definitely said it. <laughs> oh, easily. You know what? I mean, we don't do enough research on this podcast, but we need to find the podcast. Oh, it was a radio called... show, wasn't it? It was a podcast? Uh, okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna have to go into the archives and find the I don't know. It's not the footage. no, but isn't isn't the whole thing that she said it? They were both recording a podcast, but Gamble said it not on air. So it was like she was asking um, Angelie if they could like do this sommelier smellier setup, and and, I, and come for Angelie Kyla. said no, and come for Kyla factions. <sighs> and can I just tell you something? That was, if that did happen, Angelie, that was your opportunity to get in with the cool girls and you didn't do it. I don't think she, I don't think she strikes me as a lone wolf. Like I don't yes. think she wants to be a part again, of the tribe. Again, this is why I think she's different from Petty Fleur because Petty Fleur wanted to be in the tribe. <sighs> well, I mean, look, what an episode. I'm excited Amazing. to get to know more about Angelie. Um, I mean, will she be dating women? Who knows? Who knows? I just want to say, like, I know we're only two episodes in, but I'm so glad that everybody lobbied for this franchise to come back because it truly is one of the greats. Uh, like, and I think the thing that I do love the most, I mean, I love, like, a breaking the fourth wall moment, but I feel like these women are not afraid to get into, like, the shit that's happening off camera as well. 100%. Well, Moshi, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk Potomac and Salt Lake City. See you soon. And we're back from the break. We are indeed. Moshi, um, now that we're back from the break, we're going to talk Potomac. It's Mm. episode 15. We're almost at the end. It's just not coming fast enough for me, personally. (laughs) I Look, I think... I, I definitely think, like, we, we go through ebbs and flows where there's, like, drama, 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 and then it's, like, really simmers and it's drama, 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 drama. But I just think the thing for me about Potomac is that these women constantly give us reality. Like, I just sort of feel like, unlike other shows, they don't need producers to, like, poke for drama and for action. They know how to, to make television. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. 
<laughs> well, thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, you've you've described this episode as feud city. It was to me. This was just like we went from one conflict to the next conflict. Like went from one conflict not getting resolved to another conflict not getting resolved. Then we get a conflict that it gets resolved, and then we go to another conflict that's just starting, and I think is going to be the real premise for next week's episode. Um, would you like me to articulate which feud is which? <laughs> I mean, let's talk. What's the first feud on your list? So the first feud is the aftermath of last week. It's the feud that will never end on Potomac. It's going to be there forever. And it's Candace versus Ashley. There, There is, it's like, to me, there's no real resolution. It's like they have this agreement that they don't like each other, but we don't actually know why. There's no underlying reason anymore. I think like there's obviously the Monique stuff and, like I just sort of feel like Candace is constantly clutching at reasons to hate Ashley. But I think like we saw after this aftermath, after that, the restaurant and they head home and, you know, drunk Candace and drunk Chris are all over each other. I actually love them as a couple. It's very cute. Um, but like she, you know, Candace says to Chris, like Chris is like, Ashley's not a bad person. Like I don't get what the conflict is there. And Candace like agrees. She's like, Look, I don't think she's a bad person either, but there's there seems to be something about Ashley that gets under Candace's skin. And I just need to know what it is because I honestly feel like if Candace went up to Ashley and just said, I want us to be done, I want us to try and be friends, I feel like Ashley would be like, I'm going to approach you with a grain of salt, but I'm open. I was hopeful with Chris saying that to Candace that, like, Maybe one day there could be a resolution. And I think Chris would be the like the driver. Mediator. That. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but I almost feel like as long as Michael Darby is in the picture, I feel like I actually think he is the issue. Um and I don't think Candace has articulated that, but I just feel like if he, if we've removed Michael Darby, I feel like there wouldn't be as much of an issue, especially in trying to get it resolved. I don't necessarily agree with that only because I believe that all of the other women, like I think there's been a really conscious decision that nobody likes Michael Darby and don't hold that against Ashley. And I just think like people and, and, and uh, in kind, I think Ashley has, is part of the reason why we're not seeing my, much Michael Darby because Ashley knows nothing good is ever going to come when Michael is in the mix. Um, but for me, it's like, I don't know. I just like I, like, I hold a grudge. I know how to, like, hold on to something for a really long time that I should have just let go. And for whatever reason, Candace wants to have that with Ashley and it makes no sense because technically like Candace is aligned with like the green eyed bandits. She, so she should kind of be also aligned with Ashley. Like they, they have more in common than they do not in common. Maybe they should it's be allies. That chestnut. It's, it, is, it has to be. They are too similar. They're the same person. Well, I've always said that I think like part of what I see, I think it is, is that, Candace sees herself as better than Ashley and she wants Ashley to sort of cower to her and that's never going to happen. 
Well, what's... But anyway, that was the first of the feuds that's never fully resolved. But that's how we started off. And then the next feud that we get is Giselle and Robin versus Wendy. Because when they get home from the dinner, Giselle and Robin make their escape. And you know what I have to say? Robin, get in your car. And just keep driving and never come back. Never come back. <laughs> the way that Robin should have been given a friend contract this season. <gasps> and the way that, like, Escala is providing more than Robin and she is the friend of. Like, I just think Robin, TikTok, TikTok. He won't go because of Giselle. Well, you know what? Maybe it's time for Giselle to move on. Giselle won't go. And it's kind of weird. I've thought about it. You know, I'm not a huge Giselle fan. But after her and Karen had that resolution at the goddess party, like, Giselle still Mm -hmm. pisses me off. But... I understand where she's coming from. Well, look, I think this is the thing. Um, you know what? I don't think Wendy gives a shit where this leaving. <laughs> I think. Okay, so I was going to say to you, you know how there's often there's things that happen offline. Yes. I don't know if I shared this with you, but have you seen the interview that Giselle had? I want to say with ET, but it might have just been with an Instagrammer. And she lets us in on some information about Miss Wendy. So at the, when they're preparing the seasons, they have an opportunity with their, when they're with their producers to talk about who they would like to, you know, film majority of more scenes with and things like that. Like they, they're responsible as well for setting the scenes and this is all planned ahead of time. And apparently, according to Miss Giselle, and I, I kind of believe it, um, Wendy, right at the beginning, before they'd even started the season, had told the producers that she didn't really want to film with Robin and Giselle this year. And I think it's because of what happened with with Monique leaving. And I think she saw a different side to them and she didn't want to be aligned with them. And she said that she wanted to do most of her filming with Karen. She was basically trying, she was basically aligning herself before they'd even produced. And so essentially what Giselle is inferring is that Wendy came into the season wanting to have drama with uh, with Giselle specifically, not with Robin. I think that's just the bonus that you get because Robin and Giselle are so um, attached. But yeah, she wanted to, She her storyline that she wanted to have this season was she wanted to have a conflict with Giselle. And I kind of see it because, like, do you think that Wendy is a, is being a ter- is, is not being a, as good a hostess as she could be? I think that that's a difficult question to answer because it's sort of like, she's being a bad host in the sense of like how she's treating like Giselle and Robin, but like at the same time, it's sort of like, well, they put up a stink and said they weren't going to come. Then they show up and then, 
you know, they're given like whatever room is left and it's kind of a bit like, well, like what else did you expect? Did you expect like Karen and Ray to be in that room? Like, no, they've already got another room, you know, in the house. So like, I, I don't really feel, you know, any sort of way. Well, I mean, they put them in the, they put her in the cottage. Like, you know, I just. No, but I think, I think what, I think that there are obviously other ways I think that it could have been handled whereas conflict free. I think, you know, obviously they did choose their rooms. And I think what Giselle is kind of getting at is that Wendy is not even giving her anything as the hostess. So like Wendy is not even saying to acknowledging to her, I'm really sorry, you came in late. So these are the only rooms that are left. I totally understand if you would like to stay at a hotel. When I book these rooms, it didn't occur to me that you would have a broken foot. Also, then I didn't think you were coming. Like, there's not even this acknowledgement of these conflicts. I, I get that that's, like, maybe very nitty-gritty, but it does, like, I am seeing Wendy not taking the higher road and being the bigger person. Like, I'm see the the attitude that we're seeing is her going out of her way to kind of ignore them. Like, not even saying good morning in the morning when she walks in. Like, she literally... She's being avoidant and just ignoring them. I know that this is bad behaviour because it's behaviour that I would do. It's bad. It's not good. I don't know. Like like you just said with this whole ET interview, like there's something else going on. Yes, there's like, definitely something else going on. We're not but... seeing the whole story here and I'm sure that there's something else that would inform why Wendy is acting this way. I don't know if you saw Wendy on Watch What Happens Live this week, no. um, but um, I don't know if you can visualise the moment, the room that um, Giselle and Robin were in, but there was a door on the wall and yeah. behind that door is another um, main Bathroom. bedroom. Oh, okay. So, like, for example, had, like, Juan come with Robin, like, they wouldn't all have had to share that one room. One room. You know what I mean? It's, yes. It was actually two separate rooms. There was no bathroom, but, like, there is still, like, a There was enough bedrooms room. for everyone to have their own bed, private bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. So I get that. it's just sort of like, yeah, like, I don't know. There's something going on. Yeah, look, she's not been the nicest, but, like, I don't think Giselle and Robin have been, like, particularly nice to her either. I, I agree. I agree. But I, but I think the thing is that somebody has to give. So... You know, I just think we're not going to see that conflict end. We get onto that boat trip. Um, and this is the thing that I really do love about Potomac is these women are still willing to have these conversations. So they all bring it up in front of each other. You know, Mia, who is the world's worst bone collector, comes through with the with her interpretation of a bone and from a conversation that Robin was having with Escala. And again, that conflict is not resolved. Instead, we move to the next conflict. Which is Moshi. Candace versus Mia. I think again, this one is resolved. Say, it is resolved. But again, I just want to say to me, from that situation, it seemed like Mia goes to therapy. I just thought, wouldn't it be nice if all the women from all the franchises could sort out their problems like this? It would, but then it also wouldn't be interesting to watch what that'd be the season done. We wouldn't even get a reunion. What would be the point? Nah, but like you're all I think you you're always gonna have these things. But I think it was just more the acknowledgement that like I'm not like 
hurt you hurt on you. purpose. Like, I didn't realize that that was something that, you know, triggers you or whatever. Um, yeah. In the same way as Candace needed to acknowledge the fact that allegedly she didn't know that, you know, Mia's mother had been yeah. a drug addict and been in how, you know, potentially damaging her comments are going to be towards Mia's mum, right? So, I mean, I think if, okay, if you don't want all the women in all the franchises to take this approach, I would like to see it used in the Candace and Ashley. Thank you. I was actually just about to say that because it showed me that Candace can actually, can actually, like, grow up and be mature and and acknowledge when things are not right like that she says and sort of talk through why she was why she goes so low um but I guess the issue with Candace and Ashley is that Candace really can't articulate yet what it is about Ashley that bugs her so much once she's able to articulate that it'll be fine but I think Candace is also the kind of person that needs the apology first. First. Which means Ashley is going to have to provide that, which she's not going to do. She's not going to do because she's and, over it. Which, like, fair enough. Um, but I did sort of say, I feel like while Ashley's, like, pumping to the side, I feel like she was kind of, like, <laughs> looking over with some, you know, intrigue as to... Yes how that was being resolved. I definitely, I mean, I have. I always think the thing about Ashley that you can't say, she's on the ball. She knows everything. If anybody was a good bone collector, it would be Ashley. But I just want to say again, I am loving that Ashley is just constantly pumping. <laughs> she pumps like so often. Like, is that, she, that be, Yeah, well, it's different. Again, Patricia, this is different for different women. She's just producing a lot of milk and she has to get rid of it because it hurts. I mean, she needs to, she could have fed the whole bloody house. A hundred percent. But she's drinking as well. So she's got a pump and dump. The good old pump and dump. Mate. So then this brings me to the final feud that starts in the car, the van on the way back from the boat. I'm going to disagree with you here. I think that this feud has been started at least from the car ride from the restaurant the night before. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm mixing things up. It definitely started in the car though, right? No, it definitely, look, the real moment is starting after the boat, but okay. I think it has the the, the spark. The seeds. Lit. Yes. The, it's because been... G's behaviour, I mean, I'm a G apologist because I was like pro G, but now that we're seeing G's true colours... G is gross. Can I, I mean, this is a Patty After Dark question, but, like, do you think he actually whipped it out in that van? <laughs> I don't know because I was too busy. I watched the episode a couple of times and that scene because I was too busy collecting everybody else's reactions. Like, Eddie just being like, please let me out, please let me out. <laughs> All of those other things were too funny to me. I think that Eddie caught a look at something. I think they all did. Because it's, you know, like, how can you miss it? How do you know it is? That's all he's been saying. Yeah, but I think he's talking shit. I don't think so. Mm. The thing that was very funny to me 
was that like when Chris was getting up to do it, everyone was like, oh, no, sit down. But when she was going to do it, Robin the Menace was in the back like, do it, do it. It's It was very, that was an interesting um, mix to me. But also when they froze on Candace's face, when Chris threatened to flop his out and Candace was like, no which i didn't understand because for a woman that speaks so much about the thank brown you. penis like this thank was the you to like give the receipts thank you and you didn't want it to happen so suspicious but honestly i mean let's we need to just sort of mention it brew brew g, g has been simmering and he like he just boils and is insane and I, you know, he is coming for Ashley unnecessarily. At the same time, he's obviously like super drunk. So you should take it with a grain of salt. But I think you're right. I think like Ashley is at her wit's end. And I think it's, she speaks to the fact that she is tired. Like this is the longest she's been away from her son. And it's the first time in a long time she's been able to like sleep. Just sleep. I, I mean, I hate to say it. But is this comeuppance for Ashley? Because oh, yeah, she's getting a taste of what everybody else get, has gotten a taste of with Michael, 100%. Correct, right. And, the, it, like, she even, like, says it in one of the confessionals. She's like, Michael, he knows, like, the like they have that shot, like, the flashback from season one when, like, Michael's taken off his pants at yep. like, that party in front of Giselle. And it's sort of like, no, sweetie, like, Michael actually, like, is not very good at knowing, like, his limit. I I think, I mean, Michael, I've never seen him as crude as G. I think G is quite sexually overt. Um, Yes. Whereas I think Michael, I think he's a sleazebag, but I don't think he has been as, like, open and, like, like, humping the air and, like, I don't know. It was just... Oh, 100%. But then again, again, it speaks to that thing of because I think like obviously G and Michael are of a similar vintage that this, this seems to be something that I guess men of a certain generation think is acceptable. Well, I know I would I would disagree. I mean, I think like my dad would be of the same vintage and like I can't say that my mom ever has these complaints. Oh, 100 percent. But again, these are happening on the girls trip. So you're not there when they happen. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um. I mean, how do you think this is going to end, though? Not well. Not well, because Mia is going to step in and it's going to be an Ashley and Mia situation. And although, you know, I say that Mia has had therapy, she also likes to fight. I just, you know what, it's one of those things where, like, men shouldn't be involved in women's business. Thank you. He shouldn't, he shouldn't have said anything about Ashley. Like, that's the, that's the main thing. So, to me, that was all... That was salt. That was Potomac. That was the whole scene. That was the whole episode. Next, <laughs> <laughs> let's finish off with some snowflakes. Snowflake, honey, it's Salt Lake City. It's episode six, season two. Oh my god! Like Moshi, I messaged you during the week, and like <laughs> as our listeners may or may not remember. We do not talk to each other about the housewives during the week. We save it. We hold it all in until the podcast is recorded. So these are like our initial thoughts that we're giving to each other. But I did message you and I was just like, 
Mary M. Cosby is like God tier housewife. A hundred percent. And I, I was going to say to you as well, I was watching this episode and I was like, we, I think I may have mentioned this maybe to you in passing or in a, in a pod, like she wasn't really coming with a specific storyline. She was just giving, we we're actually just going to get her. She's one of those people that like, I would say similar to um, a Sonia and I, I think Kathy is like, Kathy Hilton's like the best example. There is no specific storyline that they have to give. They just have to be present and it's fascinating and it's interesting and we genuinely want to know their lives. But then here we are on episode six and at this point in the first season, we're almost at the reunion, like it was almost the end, but we're finally seeing it. Mary Cosby, aside from like her quirkiness and her funniness, she fully pulled off a few onion layers mate and she gave us the tea on her relationship with Robert Senior for me it elevated her even further because I'm like not only can she draw us in just with her personality now she's like giving us this other storyline but she's not covering anything up she's basically just saying I hate my husband and it's fabulous and this is why she is like God, God tier, tier. housewife, right? Because not only like, like for this, for me, it's that like, yes, I thought I was getting quirky Mary just kind of like sliding in with these funny scenes. But what I wasn't expecting was the break free storyline. Mm-hmm. That was like my first like mind blown. I was like, mm-hmm. is this happening? But then it was like, I feel like most of the time the housewives that have their break free storylines, it's never actually like, um, yeah, I hate my husband. So I'm like nah. thinking about they're never things. they're never that vulnerable, that real, that open. So not only did Mary M. Cosby give a storyline, she also was just like straight up like, I fucking hate the guy. A hundred percent. And like I was not expecting that at all. Because I guess the reason why a lot of the time people are so timid is because they know that it's a show and that it's going to get aired. But so here is the thing that I'm starting to get about Mary. We know the things that have been said about her that are not very nice. So the way she treats her congregation um, in particular. And I think like she's obvious, like she's definitely a narcissist and it's that same aspect that is like despicable is also the same aspect that allows her to be so open and say basically I hate my husband knowing that it's going to be filmed it's going to be on tv and not giving a fuck about what the repercussions is like that's the exact same energy and it just sucks because you I don't think you can have one without the other so as much as I love Mary I have to also deeply fundamentally believe that she's also not a nice person. Damn. I'm sorry, but but then but then you have to ask yourself the question is with housewives, do you need your housewives to be nice good people? Well, I mean, I don't think I need them to be like I don't think I need them to be nice people, but I do need them to be good people. Good. And I, I don't I don't think that she is a good person, Patrizio. Oh. 
No, I just, I like you, you can't have somebody who is like, just so like literally has no care for repercussions. Like she, so you, you call her God tier level housewife. You have to think that you are God. Like you have to think that you are untouchable, that you don't have to be good. Like Teresa Judice is another example of that. Like literally just thinks they can get away with anything and it's the same energy well moshi i'm gonna i'm gonna put to you something that you often put to me oh shit these confessionals are filmed at a very different time Uh and perhaps things have happened in mary's personal life that perhaps she's a bit more willing to talk about it in a confessional at this point look that is totally possible I'm not ruling that out of the realm of possibility that like at some point she's going to announce on Instagram that she's separated. But at the same time, she has a lot to lose. So number one, as a, as a religious Christian figurehead, and, and this is the thing I think that sits across most religions is like separation and divorce doesn't exist. So she has to lead by example. So I feel like, you know, trashing your husband, on a TV show who's also part of your church and doing all these things, like they're they're not what a first lady would would do. So um, she just has like weight. I just feel like she has so much to lose that, yeah, I I just think that she would she would say those same things because it's genuinely who she is, regardless of whether the confessional was filmed at the like two seconds after they filmed the scene or later. But at the same time, I want to just also say that I think what she's feeling is really real. Like her and her husband have such a huge age gap. And I think it's really normal for a lot of couples, traditional couples, I would say, who have children where they've stayed together for their kid. Like their kid was that extra bit of growth. But now that their kid is leaving, they're growing apart and they don't have anything in common because they're completely two different generations. There you go. <laughs> I don't think you know Karen and Ray are as distant in age as Mary and her husband. <laughs> no, I think they are. I think like Karen is like in her mid fifties and Ray's like seventy. There's at least fifteen years difference between the two of them. Yeah, I think there's more between Mary and Robert Senior. But like, it's definitely of it. Like, okay, we're not. Look, age is just a number, Moshi. But what I'm saying is that, like, Ray and Karen definitely have that generational difference between them and the fact that they had the the issue started when the kids were moved out, right? Look, it's, it is – look, all I'm saying is that that is a common issue. I just don't know that I would compare those two specifically. I'm not because saying I, I think... I'm saying that maybe she can talk to Karen. Okay, maybe. maybe but Karen I do also think – um, The other side of it is that we do have to acknowledge as well that Mary was essentially groomed to be his bride on whatever level it was. Like this is this is no, this not. It's not. I think we can sort of agree on that. This is a relationship that she didn't enter for love. She entered it for opportunity. I don't know what she says it in the. She says it in the episode. 
I, I don't know. I just, I don't believe anything when it comes to how that relationship started. Well, I'm, well, all I'm saying is that the relationship started and it started on shady ground, right? And then the glue, she says that the glue that kept them together was the fact that they had a son together. And beyond that, they don't have a relationship. Well, maybe they'll make up by the end of the season. Maybe, maybe that's the turnaround. But honestly, like, we don't need to, like, I was like, do you want to really just, no, we will discuss other things from the show. But I was like, we could just dig into Mary. You're right. She she is God level housewife in that she is giving more than needs to be gave. And just, we weren't expecting it. Like, imagine if had come on Beverly Hills and been like, I want to divorce Rick Hilton. Like, never, never. Oh my God. The earth would have broke. It shattered. Insane. That's how I felt, though, watching Mary in this week's episode. I was like, where am I? Did my did my soul leave my body for a second? But what I do want to also commend is her ability to keep her ability to smell things going. In this episode, she went to play tennis with Meredith. And I said, as soon as I saw that, I was like, Oh, she's wearing Tom Brown. She's literally playing tennis just so she can show off her outfit. She was honest about it. But um, just her walking into that tennis centre and just being like, ooh, smells like stinky feet. Brilliant. Brilliant. Just brilliant. I mean, look, that whole that whole tennis thing was absurd. And, like, it's just the fact for me is just, like, Mary, like, is not friends with any of these women. And, like, the no, fact that she's not even playing tennis, like, with Meredith is wild. But the thing is, the women get it and they're willing to play along. And that's what I love. Meredith was like a little bit shocked by the fact. I mean, like, just like we all were, that Mary is doing the break free storyline. Yes, I think everybody is. But I think everybody's also really shocked just because we got nothing from Mary last season. And this season, (laughs) she's given us more than we need. I'm almost like Sister Mary, save a bit of it for next season, hon. She might be in jail by then. (gasps) (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. Anyway, talk to us. Talk to me. What else was kind of a highlight for you in this season, in this episode? Okay. So, um, obviously, we have like from last week, the week before, me and Lisa feud that's been, you know, simmering for ages and then it blew up at Angie's house and really in my mind like what lives rent free at this point is Lisa like walking to that party and being like Jenny <laughs> she like <does> the wife. <laughs> and just anyway, ignoring me <laughs> they um they've decided to like make up um they go and do like yoga in silks is that yeah, what it is? they go on the silks. Is it yoga? I don't know. It's a yoga. I don't know moves. if it's yoga, but they're on the silks. Um, and Lisa hasn't worked out in, since like junior high or something. She says that she says she hasn't worked out for nine years, so since she had her last child. But do you believe it? She's fit. I don't know. If she's fit. She's very thin. No, but she's got a lot of upper body strength and core strength. Like, you can't just... Those silks are very hard. 
Oh, okay. So you're saying that her performance. I was like, how are you judging this? I'm like, did I miss the episode where she no, was like, like showing off the gun? She no, she like she kept up with Whitney, who is constantly, you know, working on her aerodynamics and doing her stripper pole. Again, the stripper aerodynamics. The stripper pole requires as well like a shit ton of core strength. And you know, if your core is like super solid, you can fucking move everything. And the other thing is like when women have children they lose so much of that core strength because their their body just is like it's gone all to the baby and they have to really build it up. So for a woman who basically lives on a diet of like Kit Kats, Diet Coke and Del Taco, says she hasn't worked out in nine years and is fucking up here keeping up with Whitney, like it's insane to me. She's not human. No, and but Lisa has never purported to be human. Yeah, facts. Okay. <laughs> um. Well, it was cute. They were like trying to be friends. Oh, I'm loving this fake friendship. Keep it going. <sighs> but um, it kind of all t- comes to a crushing halt later in the episode when Lisa invites Whitney out for a double date to this like restaurant and Whitney allegedly doesn't know where she's going but it turns out that this restaurant is run by the caterers that were meant to have catered Angie's event yes and Whitney calls it a setup well it was definitely a setup because Lisa Barlow does not know how to produce the situation You're not supposed to, like, just straight come out of the gate and just start saying, oh, yeah, we were totally meant, we really didn't mean to not do that thing at Andy's. It's just like, honey, don't just say it. It has to, you have to slip it in organically. They went in raw. (laughs) Oh, honey. The drinking word tonight. (laughs) (laughs) No. When you see this word, I'm, I'm Andy and watch what happens like. <laughs> Moshy after the dark. My <laughs> oh, now I know how you feel. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just the whole, even if it was a setup and then Whitney calling her out on it, I think for me it was just like as quickly as it started, it was over. Over. And now they are best friends again. I, I just think they're gonna, it's just, I think they both recognize, like, number one, Whitney needs as many things as she can to have a storyline so that she's not relegated to friend of. Um, and this is a good way to do it. And number two, I guess Lisa has just like a point to prove. And like, I think, you know what? I think the other thing that these women need to learn over any franchise, and I think, we need to commend Giselle and Karen as the this is that not everyone has to be friends. Like Thank you. you don't have to be enemies, but you don't have to be friends. You can throw fun shade. You can be involved with each other, but you don't actually have to like make up and, you know, be going out to dinner together and double date each other's life. Husbands. I could think of nothing, nothing less. Thank you. I like kind of like. 
Remind me never to take you out on a double date. Please don't. Like, I don't want you to do that. <laughs> Anyway. Uh, but for me, I think the big, the big one. I mean, oh, hello, Mary. How can I say that this was a big one as well? But like, Jenny, we finally start to get more of like her story, right? Yeah. Um. So she, she goes out with the girls to that like fish, fish pedicure yeah. place. Have you had one of those? Because I know you're well travelled. So have you done it? <laughs> Thank you for asking, Washi. <laughs> 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 when I was in Santorini in 2013, two of these like, but that was the thing that I was thinking. I was like, it was very 2013. Like, why are there still places doing the fish pedicure in 2020? I've still never had one, so I want to do a fish I, pedicure. Honestly, I think it's like a bit of a stitch up. Okay, fair but enough. Those fish, they can't eat all the dead skin. No way. <laughs> Like that's all. Like they're like they're little. Not that many of them, and you got like you got fate. Like nah, it's not happening in that one second. But anyway, scam um, of the century. Yeah, well, well, tourist trap. Um, but Jenny opens up about the fact that you know she's having these issues with her marriage because Dewey wants more kids, and Jenny had she's been pregnant thirteen times. Her her story about her miscarriages and her stillbirth and their journey to being parents is so heartbreaking to hear like it 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 makes me sad every time she she talks about it and i think for me it was when jenny starts to talk about how you know when she did have the stillbirth obviously she was like knocked out for it so she wasn't actually all you know she's barely conscious when she gave birth and Dewey was there as they were like trying to resuscitate the child obviously weren't successful and that's why Dewey has this like I mean Dewey needs therapy in my opinion 100% I really hated I like I understand that like they both obviously went through significant trauma but it seems to me that if if this storyline is genuine it seems to like I'm not saying that she didn't have those. That's not her birth stories, but if the storyline that they want to have, that Dewey wants to have more children, is in fact real and not just for the show, I I just thought that that justification that she's built up in her mind to me is like a red flag because it's like you're in a marriage with somebody who has obviously changed from when you were first with them and they're not, if they cannot understand why no, having no more children is the right way to go and they're so determined to have a child, like don't make excuses for this man. Like he is just trash. And don't make it a sentimental story that he feels like he lost a child so he wants to have another one. I'm, I don't buy that shit. That's just stuff that I'm just sort of saying that women make up in their heads to to try and make uh, make themselves believe that their partner is still a good human. Well, I'm clearly one of those girls because I was like, oh, wow, that's why Dewey really wants another nah, kid. Nah, nah, it's because he's, he's just selfish. Well, I mean, and this leads to the moment where they're having a conversation after doing their little 
I mean, were they even skiing? They were kind of just like shuffling. Oh, whatever that situation was, I was like trying to figure it out. I was like, this is fascinating. Just going for a walk. They were like hiking, but with skis. Um, But they sit down and they talk about it. And Dewey brings it up again because it must be around the day that this happened with the stillbirth. And so obviously he gets really upset and then talks about surrogacy and then the trigger for Jenny is he asks perhaps they should get a sister wife, which I didn't realize that apparently in Vietnamese culture, sister wives are a thing. Um, obviously, like my when I think sister wives, I think like Mormonism. Mormons. No, but I think like multiple marriages, like bigamy exists across like multiple cultures. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I just like didn't realize like it was a thing in Vietnam, but Jenny like is very upset by this, which understandable. Like if you were like, if you wanted to just get a sister wife just to have another kid, like have a sister wife because you love the the other woman. That's the justification though for it is because men, the idea is that men need to continue to sire children. Like they need to continue to have progeny and, to be able to maximize that, you have to have multiple women. I'm sorry, I'm just in silence, just thinking about how men really need a bloody bang every woman they say, honestly. Like disgusting, Patty. It's disgusting. Men are trash. Trash. But I mean, look, you've already alluded to it. The the word on the street that has come through this week is I mean Allegedly. Allegedly, a girl who was allegedly related to somebody on the cast. Jenny's niece. Was that confirmed, though? Jenny's niece. Continue. I mean, she she didn't say who she was on TikToks. She but... didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, she says that apparently... Jenny's whole storyline is bullshit, that Jenny is, like, used her family um, and Dewey used the family and, like, it's all a bunch of lies. I think that the storyline is fake. Like, and I thought that before the alleged niece came out and said this thing on TikTok... It's just that for me, that conversation that they're having, he is like a sociopath. He has literally (laughs) no emotion to me when he's talking about it. It seems to me like something that they have planned premeditated. Now, she seems so emotionally wrought, but it seems to me like something he may have made up in that moment and she wasn't aware that it was the way he was going to go. I'm not... I don't fully believe that he wants a sister wife. That I mean, I do perhaps believe that he wants more children, but I do not believe that he wants a sister wife. I also really love when he's like at the end, he's like, oh, Jenny, come back. Like he's not really trying. Like you were talking about Ben phoning it in in Melbourne. <laughs> I was like, do we, do we amp it up a little bit, mate? <laughs> Maybe he does want a sister wife, though. I I don't think they're rich enough to have a sister wife. It costs money. Their house is too small. Well, well, Jenny can go back to 
owning her 11 businesses. Yeah, she'd be bringing the cash while the sister wives come in. No, I don't know. I just think that it was nice to get this glimpse into Jenny because I think the onion, the layers are starting to come back. And I think we're going to start to see a little bit more of her not so good side. I definitely got a sense of that as well in the preview for next week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which I'm also so excited because Mary is like ready to engage. Engage. It's a matchup that I think will be interesting. Oh, Moshi. I think, does that bring us to the end of this episode? It does, but there's just a couple of, like, really one thing that I want to touch on, which is that when we are seeing Jensha, we're not getting a lot of Jensha, and that's actually kind of nice, but when we are seeing, we're seeing her flaunting her alleged wealth, and for me it's hilarious because Stu has been in so many scenes. So I don't know what was edited and when it was edited in relation to all her drama, but the way they are capturing her rise, like they are like feeding the FBI everything they need right now. So it's it's brilliant. Also, her son hates her. I mean, he's like a 15-year-old boy. Unfortunately, what 15-year-old boy doesn't hate them? No, I feel like last season he was like more engaged with her, but I feel like after the way she behaved, like I think she's really like telling the truth, like after what happened last year and that last scene at the party, I think he is like so embarrassed by her and not happy with her. I, I'm i going to say that it would have happened anyway. Yes. But I'm sure that Jen's behaviour on the show has not helped. Yeah, something way. something has really happened and turned because I feel like last year he was like, her, her sons were like ready to do anything for her, both of them. But I feel like this season he's just like, I want nothing to do with you. It's just teenage boys. Oh, teenagers in general. But yeah, it was interesting. It's interesting to see her like pushing a storyline. Like she wants, she's going to go volunteer at her son's school and shit like that's not happening. Um, anyway, but, you know, Salt Lake City, it's nice. They're kind of in a groove now. Maybe Jen Shah's community service can be her at the canteen. Um, sorry, honey, no community service. Clink, clink, clink. clink. Oh, well, Moshi, it's time for me to go to my cell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not a cell. <laughs> Um, Moshi, like, freedom. review, subscribe. Yeah, like, review, subscribe. All our listeners in Melbourne, remember it takes two weeks for your second dose to take effect. Enjoy your freedoms tomorrow, but please don't go too crazy, guys. Like, I mean, kiss people, but, like, be careful. Yeah, stay safe, wear a condom and a mask. And a mask everywhere. All right. On that note, we really should end this podcast. It's always a pleasure to do this with you. Thank you, Moshi. I'll see you on the Instagrams at From the Lower Level Pod. True. Oh, and tomorrow, um, our next uh, in the month long Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion bonus episode of um, part two of the Beverly Hills reunion. Um, That'll be they'll be hitting the airwaves shortly. Enjoy. I'll speak to you there, Moshi. Bye.